Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. So happy to have you here. We actually get to have a second bite of the apple with a buddy of mine, Chris Noggle, who is a stud when it comes to all things real estate money. So um, it was it was great. I uh, you know Chris and I got a chance to chat after the last podcast, and I was like, brother, we need to do this again, and it, we need to make sure that uh, that people are getting this and getting this information because it is so, so darn powerful. So if you're making any money, you do not want to be the one that is uh, on the receipt, like the tail end of it. You want to figure out how to make that money work for you. And I remember hearing in Richard's Band in Babylon, um, they, he talks about your money like an army, right? It needs to go out, fight battles, and come back much stronger than when it left. And so we're going to get a chance to hear more about how to equip our money like an army to go out and fight some battles. So with that said, Chris Noggle, the man, the myth, the legend, tell us a little bit, just, just give us a little brief recap of uh, who you are and what we're talking about, just for those that missed the last one. And then let's dive into some of the stuff that, uh, that we'll uh, continue talking through here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm psyched to be on here for this today. And uh, just a little bit about myself. I'm a Buffalo, New York guy. Grew up with a big dream to be a pro snowboarder. Ended up, you know, up, obtaining that dream against all odds. Then I went on to start and uh, run a, a chain of skate snowboard shops called Fat Man Board Shops. Did that all the way up into the 2000s when the uh, big crash hit. I almost lost everything and went bankrupt because I had bought a, a big strip mall. So made it through that because my girlfriend helped pay the mortgage, the rent, and let me move in my buddies into the house to help pay the bills. Then after that, I dove into real estate from 2009 to 14, bought a lot of apartment buildings, and then I lost them all because I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's when I started seeking the truth about money. And during this whole time, I was a high level Wall Street advisor, uh, call us stockbrokers, whatever you want to call us. But I did that for 16 years, retiring in 2018, when my wife and I got a show on HGTV called Risky Builders. And that launched the whole real estate thing, big flipper, lots of rentals. And today, I teach people the truth about money and how money really works and what to do with it. So Chris, tell me real quick, um, in 2014, you lost, lost it all. So one of the things that I've learned in life, and actually a mentor said this to me, when I lost a fortune, we're talking $10 million uh, in, in, yeah, yeah. It, man, when you're a good salesperson, you can bring in a lot of money, but, uh, oh, it was bad. But, uh, um, you know, when I got through it, one of my mentors said, hey, Chris, well, that puts you in a great place to, to be where you, you're, you're going because you should never trust anybody that doesn't walk with a limp. And I was like, okay, I love that. So can, before we jump into everything here, can you just tell us a little bit so that we can understand your limp a little bit? What, what happened in 2014? Yeah, so, you know, I, like I said, I was a high-level financial advisor. I had just sold my retail shops. Everything was going great. I was still doing the pro snowboard thing, but here's what I did wrong. 
You see, back then I knew nothing about how money works. So all I did is when I needed money for these apartments, I went to the bank and I borrowed money from a traditional bank. And in doing that, what I didn't understand, it was, it was easy in the beginning. They just kept giving me mortgages. I'm like, great, I'll keep buying properties. Then I got to the 37th unit, which I can't remember, that was maybe nine, eight, or eight or nine properties. And I brought my whole kit to them. They looked at it and they said, you don't fit in the little square box anymore, which is called debt to income. And at this point, like I had 36 cash paying you know, units, I was making good money. I'm like, how do I not fit in this box? But I've never been taught that that's how banks work. You're great for them when you fit in their box. When you're outside the box, you're done. And what they did is because of that, and because I got a little bit behind on a couple mortgage payments due to the fact that they froze my one line of credit. And, and this is crazy. I don't know if they do this today, but I think they do. I, I was using my line of credits, maxing them all out, using them for renovation of these units. And then all of a sudden, because I had the money in, in the bank, they literally said, we're, we're not you know, offering this line of credit to you anymore. They froze it and then they paid it off with my bank account, which brought me down to like an unsustainable level. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in trouble. And I had to sell every single one of them, max out my 401ks, exhaust all my accounts. Everything pretty much went from like here to here and zero. It was like going zero to 60 in a Tesla. That's about how fast I lost all of it. And it's, it's the worst because it's, it, like you realize I was, I was just in, uh, in Omaha with a handful of my buddies um, earlier this week. And we were just sitting around a, a fire pit talking about how fast it can come in, but also how fast it can go out. And, and you think you're just having a bad month in month one. And then you think you're, ah, we'll get over it in month two. But then by the time the avalanche hits, all of a sudden you're like, Dang, I'm, I didn't, can I outrun this and uh, keep my head above water? So yeah, no, that's great. So, so as we're, we're diving into the next piece, I'm curious is, I know you teach everybody that the banks are the ones that make the most money, right? Um, and, and the banks are the people because they're, they're giving out the money, they're able to, to just make money so many times on that same dollar. Are, is the main tool that you use the infinite banking or the cash value life insurance? Or do you teach doing that through other avenues as well? Can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I guess a lot of people probably think all we teach is the infinite banking concept but in privatized banking. But really, we teach the concept of being your own bank, which is very simple because it's just mimicking exactly what banks do with money and exactly what the wealthy do with money so that you can obtain one objective. And that is to get back control of your money because our whole lives... Chris, we're taught to give up control to everybody else. 401ks, the Wall Street stuff, the mutual funds, everything. We're giving up control, including banks. And then all of a sudden, we wonder why we ride these roller coasters. Well, when you're not in control of your money and you're missing out on opportunities that present themselves because you don't have control or access, now all of a sudden, it's very easy for your life to go from you know awesome to sucky. And that's exactly what happens. And, and that's what we teach is all things money, but not the traditional things you get from an advisor, a banker. We teach the stuff nobody wants to talk about because it takes money out of their pocket. And there's really no, it's not like we're ever selling anything, right? So, you know, outside of events that we put on, we don't have a product. So we're never trying to hawk or sell a product. Like I did when I was an advisor, they taught us to sell products. Today, we just teach to, and give people the power back. That's really all we do. So, so the avatar, the, the people that tend to listen to this podcast are 
real estate agents who also have a hybrid, a desire, or, or, or also are real estate investors, right? Which I, for whatever reason, I feel like it's just so stupid that uh, agents aren't investors. But can you walk us through what a traditional path, if you're looking like at a traditional agent that maybe they make a little bit of money and then they, their career starts to take off and then they have extra cash, how... Uh, could you just do like a case study on yeah. what you would teach somebody, how they can kind of move along the system according to how you teach it? Yeah. You know, and I've got a ton of experience with realtors. I was just actually at a mastermind with some high level realtors. So I, I know exactly how the industry works and it's, it's a great industry. You can make a ton of money, but it's very cyclical. You know, yeah, yeah. Make a bunch of money and then you have dry spells. You make a bunch of, so cash flow isn't steady like a W2 employee. And the other thing with realtors, usually they're transitioning from another career. They go from like the hourly nine to five and they transition into this for a better life and more freedom. And when they do that, a lot of times realtors will, you know, leave a 401k where it was in the old employer. So how it would typically work working with realtors is the most important thing. All realtors, like you said, should be investors as well. That you're helping other investors, you know, fulfill their goals. You need to be following in some of those paths. So realtors are great at selling and they're great business people, but they're not always the best savers. They make money, you know, and the money goes out. So what I usually would talk to them about is, all right, let, let's let's figure out what we're working toward. What do we want? What's our objective? And, you know, I don't want to hear, oh, I want to retire someday. That's not a goal. I want to know, like, are you buying a new car in the next year or two? Are you buying a new house? Are you looking to buy some real estate or do something? Like we need short-term, mid-term and long-term goals. So once I know that, then what I got to do is I got to say, okay, what is the bare minimum you could save every single month, even if your business wasn't doing great? So they get that baseline. Then I say, okay, now today, what does your business look like and how much could you save? But when I say that keyword, Chris, save, a lot of people immediately, especially realtors, think, oh, I got to put money away and I can't get it, which isn't good for a realtor. Realtors survive by marketing and, you know, right now, maybe it's easy, but in, in harder times, you got to spend a lot of money on marketing. And if you got your money parked away in one of those stupid 401ks or somewhere where you can't get it, that's not, that's not going to help you grow your business. And it's not going to help you take advantage. So what we tell them is once we establish that high and that low, let's put that money and change one thing, because right now that money for them is going into a bank account. Why? so they can access it when that opportunity comes about. So let's just change one thing. Let's change where the money sits. And where we're gonna do is we're gonna take that money from the bank and we're gonna put it into their own bank. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna design it to give them a maximum amount that they can save and then a minimum amount that they have to save. Because psychologically, if we don't tell somebody there's a minimum, well, that minimum zero and it's very easy to not save anything. But when we know we got a minimum and we got a maximum, we have this nice little range. So we have a goal and we have an objective. So that's kind of how I would work with the realtor. And then once we figure out how much is going in, then what we're going to do is very quickly look at those short term goals, maybe paying off debt, buy a car, invest, whatever it is. And we're literally going to make this machine that, that change, which that change, just so everybody knows, if we're going from a traditional bank, which is where most people's money sits to your own bank. That is nothing more than a specially designed and engineered whole life. But when I say that word whole life, ooh, God, that's, you know, the hair on your arm stand up. You get that eerie feeling. Ooh, that's bad. That's, that's expensive. Oh, that's, that's not the place. But what you don't know is what hurts you. And it's been like that your whole life. And in realtors especially, like, we have to understand that this specially designed whole life I'm talking about, 
works and operates nothing like the whole life that you've been taught about. It works just like your bank account. So once we put the money there, then what we're going to do is we're immediately, this is going to sound, we're going to put it in there and we're immediately going to take it out within like usually the first 30 days or at least the first six months, we're going to take it out and we're going to use it to start fulfilling on those short-term goals. But if we take the money out, most people think, yeah, but if I put it in there, I want to make interest on it. But if I take it out, I stop earning interest. The specially designed whole life, when you put it in there, you're now locked in to make uninterrupted compound interest on that money for the rest of your life, even if you take it out. That's the magic. You can make interest and still have control and access of your money to go out there and make more money. So now we just found a way where our money works twice as hard as anything you've ever been shown. You mentioned uh, that book about making his, his dollars go out and work harder and come back stronger. I just showed you how to do that. If we just change one thing, our dollars can go out there and work harder and come back stronger by multiplying themselves. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I guess uh, one quick question on that. So one of the things that now I, I personally subscribe, I just bought my first policy last, uh, you know, last year, about maybe six months ago. And, you know, I see the power in this. Um, the, the downside scares me just a little bit. And so, I, and I haven't had a great answer to this, but I still think the upside is worth the downside. So for, like you said, the cyclical nature of, of income for entrepreneurs, um, I was told that I guess the first seven years you have the minimum. So I'll, I'll just tell you my number. Like I, I'm doing a hundred thousand a year on my first one that I'm putting in. I was told that I could put in a minimum of, of 10,000 a year and not surrender anything, but it has to be for seven years. Um, you have to put in a minimum of, of 10,000 a year. Now, that it's a little like I, I don't think I'll have a problem doing a minimum of 10,000 a year, even if things got really bad. Um, but it's a little bit unsettling. And I know that other just as I've talked to other people, I know that that's kind of one of the biggest questions they have. Do you mind just speaking to that a little bit? Oh my God, do I ever and do I ever have the coolest case studies to talk about that exact scenario? I have a real estate investor who's also a realtor, he's a high level guy, makes a lot of money, but also went through COVID just like everybody else. And if any of you, any realtors listening to this, if you went through COVID, you remember what happened, right? At first, things just shut off. Your income went to zero. Well, this guy had committed to a big policy, much like you, Chris. Like he was putting, oh, what was he putting? It was 180,000 a year, I think he was doing. And in the beginning, that's cakewalk. Like it was nothing. He was doing it monthly. COVID hits. Right when his second premium deposit comes due and he calls me up and he's like, Chris, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I literally, could, I can't make this whole thing. I could probably make, you know, half or a third, but like, dude, I, I might have to cancel the plan. And I said, do you remember what I told you day one about how these things work? Because he had been using that 180 grand, you know, making a move. So he had done quite well with that with a couple of flips. So year two, he needed the deposit and he didn't have it all. And he's thinking, oh gosh, I have to get rid of this. And I said, wait a second, you realize you have an asset that almost everybody wants as collateral. You have one of the most liquid, safest places that money can ever sit. So I said to him, I said, why don't we do this? All we're trying to do is get past this little slow period. Why don't we go out there and talk to some private investors that are looking to make a return? I said to him, I said, you know, and his name was Hans. I said, Hans, how much would you be willing to pay an investor if they loaned you this money to get you over this? 
And he says, well, I don't know if I want to borrow money. I said, Hans, let me run the numbers for you. If you borrow the money and you put it into the policy, you immediately in the next 30 days can take out X dollars, right? And I showed him what it was. And it was, it was more than what he had put in. I said, so think about this. This is a zero sum game for you. If you borrow the money, as soon as it hits your policy, next 30 days, you can pull the amount out you need to pay that investor off. And then the only thing you're really out is maybe a little bit of whatever you decide you want to pay this investor. So he said to me, he says, all right, great. He, he called me back. He said, I'll pay an investor 1500 bucks if they lend the money to me for 60 days. I, I made one phone call. And I said to the investor, I said, hey, I've got somebody who's willing to pay you 1500 bucks to lend them X amount of, you know, hundred and something thousand dollars. I think it was like 150 grand to lend them 150 grand for the next 60 days, but it might only take them 30. And you can be the, you, the, the collateral will be the policy itself. We will collaterally assign the rights of the policy to you during a period of time. So think of a real estate deal, right? Banks lend on a real estate deal. What do they take? They take a mortgage, which is collateral. If you don't pay, they take the house. So what this investor got is the almost equivalent of a mortgage, but it's through a collateral assignment. He gets the rights to this policy. So if, if Hans didn't pay him his money back, he's got a policy that already has the money sitting in there already, right? So it's a zero-sum game. So we did this and that's how Hans figured out how he did it. Now he started additional policies and he said, if I ever get in trouble, I now know how to leverage this awesome asset to an investor. And I, it's a win-win because both people make money. That's so that, I hope that was a good example of what you just asked because it just happened, man. <laughs> well, no, 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 that's great. That's great. And, and there's two people that have, uh, that have questions, but since I get to host the show, I'm going to ask my, my question next and then we'll go to these other two. So here's one of the things that my CPA had us do. So we're using our children... Um, as models in our business. And I, and we can pay them uh, up to 12,000, whatever, $500 a yep. year, $600 a year tax-free, right? And so we're paying them that. Um, they're using that money for sports and vacations and, and, other, and like some of the stuff that they're doing that we can legally do. I heard from somebody that I can take the rest of that money, put it into a policy for the children yearly um, that I don't have to assign over to them when they're 18, that I can use that money um, essentially for investments and everything else. I mean, it'll be their legacy money anyway that we'll give to them later on. But but essentially I can pay them tax-free and then pay into this whole life, which frankly will be something that I can use for investment money that we pay back into the policy pay on that. But I would love for you to speak to that because I think for most of us as entrepreneurs, like we end up getting crushed by taxes. And so we're looking for ways that are legal where we can save money on taxes. But if we pay our kids and then don't have access to that money, it becomes a little bit less appealing. So I've heard that this is a way we can have access to the money. Anyway, I'm, I'm done talking. Tell me what you, you think about that. Yeah, you and your CPA were exactly right. I do the same thing for my daughter, Vivi. And my daughter, Vivi's 12 months old. She just turned a year old. But a lot of our clients do exactly that. They put their, their children on payroll, 12,500 bucks. And then that money, what they do, most a lot of them will take the majority of it and put it right into the policy. Now, that right there gets you the write-off for the payroll. And then it gets you the ability of the cash now tax-free in this sheltered vehicle. Now, here's the coolest part about everything you just said. It's kind of a win-win. I don't know why somebody wouldn't do that. But now the, the silver lining to this whole thing is now once you do this, what you have the ability to do is not just to teach your kids how to work in the business and, and you know, 
be hustlers and really kind of go out there and, and take over that company someday. Now you get to teach them the power of money as a tool because you just created a machine for them that they need to understand. So now when they want to buy that new BMX, that skateboard, that, that dirt bike, whatever, I'm just making things up. Now what you do is you teach them how to be the bank through their private bank that you set up for them out of that payroll that they, you know, that you set up to get tax write-offs. It's, it's such an amazing strategy. I just think people are really concerned with, you know, they're focused on the taxes and the ability to save for some future goal, but let's not get so caught up in some future thing that we're saving for where we lose in the importance of the money today and using it and teaching your children how to be good stewards of their money. When someone, when they see, when your kids see somebody give up control of their money, they're going to sit there and be like, dad, why do they do that? That that's so wrong. Like they're giving up control of their money to someone else's bank. Dad, why don't they have their own bank? Like I do like, think of the power of that. And the, the mat, the multiplier effect, I would call that the financial butterfly effect, if anything. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's great. Well, um, two other quick questions because I know we've got four minutes left. So one, uh, Nina said that she's 67 uh, years old and wants to know if that makes sense uh, for, for Nina. And honestly, because obviously, let, let's be honest, everybody's a little bit of a cynic, myself included, and we know that this is something you sell. So um, can, you, can you just speak to it, you know, just for a 67-year-old, what, uh, what is your take on that? Yeah. So, and I'm going to be dead honest. Uh, if I was setting it up for somebody that's my friend or in my family, I would say at 67, unless there's a real need for the life insurance, the legacy, I would say probably not. The cost of insurance on the plans, we keep it as low as that can be when we design them. That's by nature. We put the lowest debt benefit, but at 67, your cost of insurance is high, which means you're going to have to put a lot of money away to get the compound effect that we're talking about to benefit over that cost of insurance. So I would probably say if you're doing this sure, you know, surely as a savings mechanism, don't do it at 67 on your own life. Mimic, or again, mimic the bank and take out a policy on a child. Or if you have employees that are executives, do a key person policy on them. I would just say, don't think that it has to be on your life. Have somebody else borrow a life, borrow somebody else's life to be the insured and you're the owner. So like Chris was saying with yours, you can be the owner of the policy and, and your children can be the insured, which ownership equals control. So, you know, for who this person is, you're 67, you can still own the account, but the account should probably be on someone else's life that's younger that we can really get more efficiency out of the private bank. So, so real quick, and then we got one other, uh, one other question here to, to jump into. Um, if my, if, if I did, if, if we take the money, we pay my kids. So that's the, their money now. Um, I can, buy a policy where I'm the guardian of that policy with their money, correct? Or yes, do I have to pay with them? Okay. And so I, and, and I don't have to turn that. I've been told, and I'd, I'd love to hear your take that I don't have to turn control of that policy over to them at 18. Is that right? No, that's correct. It's not like an Ogma or, or any of those. It, it's your decision when you want to turn it over. If 18, they're mature. You want to have them be the owner. Great. Change ownership. If they're, if it takes until 30, Keep control of it. Use it and teach them with this. But yes, you do not have any obligation to give up control of the account unless you want to. Heck, you could even move it to a trust and have the trust be the owner. That's awesome. That's incredible. All right. So um, last question here is, uh, is there a specific whole, uh, whole life policy that you're re referring to? 
So, you know, don't get hung up on the whole life policy. It's more about the process. But is there a specific company would be maybe the better way to ask that that works best? Absolutely. There's a lot of companies that out there that will never work for this. You need a large mutually owned insurance company that pays dividends and has consecutively for over 100 years. I'll name a couple. Uh, the main ones we use is Lafayette Life, One America, and Mass Mutual. And all three of them qualify on every single level that make them the ultimate companies to be, you know, for infinite banking. Now, careful if you go with a company like Northwestern Mutual, it will not work for this. New York Life will not work for this. Um, Guardian and, and other direct recognition companies, not as effective as the three that I mentioned. So there's a lot more to this. Don't venture this road and try to figure it out yourself. Find somebody, even if it's just to ask questions to figure out how to design this so it works exactly like Chris and I are talking because you can design it wrong. And then you're going to think me and Chris are full of crap and that this whole thing's a big scam because somebody didn't know how to design the policy right to do the infinite banking concept. So last question, I promise, because I said the last one was the last one. So what um, can you explain really quickly, like I'm a kindergartner, uh, <laughs> what is the reason why New York life won't work, but other life insurance or whoever, like some of these won't work and others will? Yeah. So New York Life is who I spent 14 years with. So I'm very intimately familiar with all of their products. They're, they're a phenomenal insurance company, if not one of the best insurance companies out there. Their whole life product is phenomenal. Good dividends, solid dividends. So all the things check out and they're a non-direct participating company. Here's the reason why. They don't support the infinite banking concept. So what do I mean by that? If you put money in and you want to immediately take it out in the first 30 days, like they can't tell you you can't, but they're definitely not going to support it the way that those other three. So I have four whole lives through New York Life and I use each of them for banking. But I will tell you that they severely, severely underperform the other banking policies I have that were designed with companies that work better for this. So I guess I was wrong in saying New York Life can't work. It's just not going to be your best option. I mean, for life, if you're looking to buy life insurance, there's no other company you should look at in New York Life one of the best, but for infinite banking concept, for the process that we're talking about, that company just will not fit the mold. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I know you do this. I know that, uh, you know, you, man, I'll tell you, I've, I've talked to so many people and some have great uh, experiences and some have had uh, subpar experiences as far as that goes. And uh, um, I know we've just been getting to know each other recently, but I've, I've heard a lot of stuff like on Clubhouse or like I've been on some panels where you've been on as well. Um, and, um, you know, I'll tell you, like you can tell you just know your stuff and are, are really good. And, and a bunch of my buddies have all spoken so highly of you. So um, I I'm just really excited. And, and I think that all of us here um, that we're listening in knows that this was high level stuff. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you and says, hey, walk me through this, teach me how to do this. How can we get in touch with you, your staff, you know, some of the people that can can walk us through from like zero to, you know, high level stuff. Yeah. And thank you so much for that. that. That meant a lot. I was blushing, actually. So if somebody wants to learn about this and then, you know, get on a call with me, there's one thing. There's a toll. The toll doesn't cost any money, but it's a 90 minute video you got to watch. So how do you get it? Go to Chris Noggle, N-A-U-G-L-E dot com. Go to free resources and watch the 90 minute video or the 10 part series, because that's going to explain what we just went through in 30 minutes. Then after you watch that video, click the schedule a call button and you'll get my calendar. And that's how we do it. So, you know, and everything I will tell you, we don't sell 
So when we talk to somebody, we're not going to try to sell you anything. We're just going to walk you through the process, explain how it will work. And then if you like it, you have to ask us to help you. That's just the way we do it because we are zero sales. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So thank you so much, Chris. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us home here. So one last quick pitch. If you go to my real estate team's uh, Google page and give us a five-star review and go to the podcast wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes or wherever you listen, and give us a five-star review, um, I, both Jeff and I are going to do a half-hour coaching session. You know, I charge a lot of money to do coaching, um, but I, and I'm not going to give you an upsell. I'm not going to pitch you on anything else. I'm willing to do that because we are working to really build our listenership. And I know the best way to do that is through reviews. So I'm happy to do that. Happy to, to help. So if you are listening and have not reviewed on Google and not reviewed on iTunes or wherever you listen, um, please do that. And we will do a, I'll do a half hour coaching session, um, you know, just to kind of help you. I, I really do believe that most people can double their income with just some minor tweaks um, of, of their business. So please go do that. And we will be on it. Um, one last thing, Chris, please tell us uh, the recording, Nina, is uh, it'll be launched on our, our podcast, Uncommon Real Estate. Uh, I know some of you guys are listening to Zoom. Some of you guys are listening to Facebook Live. Um, and most of you guys listen on the Uncommon Real Estate podcast. So um, it will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, so Chris, one last time, uh, what's your website again? It's chrisnoggle.com and it's N-A-U-G-L-E. Boom. Chris is a stud. Reach out. Uh, this is awesome. Thank you, guys. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.